politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow Minutemen, American patriots, and Paul Revere's to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house on Monday, the other side of this July 4th break. It's July 6th today. Hope you guys had a terrific time. I really got a lot of tremendous feedback from all of you for our July 4th show, my manifesto. Um, if you haven't heard it, please listen to it. Please send to all your friends and relatives because everything I said during that show, the history, the present, and the future is relevant today. It's truly shocking how we have a weekend that is usually marked by fireworks. Except the fireworks are supposed to go in the sky. Now we had some of those. But we had more fireworks on the ground. And it wasn't just statues that were felled, but human beings. And almost every one of them black. There's an epidemic over the weekend of black children being killed by black suspects, gang Warfare, drive-by shootings, Chicago, New York City, but also smaller cities as well. Even Omaha, Nebraska, Greenville, South Carolina. And I don't take pride in being right on this. But you know I have fought a lonely battle for six years against jailbreak. Not just the war on cops, but the war on sentencing, the war on prosecution, the war on incarceration. The war on victims of crime. While one Republican after another joined with the left to let criminals out of prison, ruin our deterrent. So everyone, I think, recognizes now we have a war on cops. There's no deterrent. The cops are standing back. And there's rampant crime, rampant lawlessness. But I think a lot of people don't recognize is that, so let's say the cops go on the sidelines. Do you and I go and start beating people up and murdering people? No. Even if you don't have cops. There's a certain number of people who do that. So the first step is what a lot of people don't realize has already been going on the last number of years, this past decade really, in most states, including Republican states, where violent career gun felons, parole violators, people with just those long rap sheets, they should have been put away forever, and they're let out, little time, no time, those are the people that are going to be the most likely in a time like now more than ever to commit those crimes. But I wanted to step back first and speak more broadly to what is going on when you juxtapose the two issues of our time, tyranny and anarchy, corona fascism using the lies about coronavirus to lock us down, to force us to wear diapers on our faces. While these are the very people who not only lied about the nature of the virus, but who now lie about the cause of this mainly superficial and illusory spike in cases, namely the border and the riots. But the border and the riots are two very protected causes and classes of people. So they're exempt even from the cult. See, I'm not... look. I don't believe this is the pandemic of a millennium. 
We understand that especially now that the virus has attenuated and has probably likely become more contagious, by the way, but that's a good thing because it's weaker. The two work together. Hence, a cold is very contagious. To me, I'm not going to make a big deal about the border and the rioting. I'm not going to change my position. I don't think it's the end of the world. I mean, I think we should have a secure border anyway. And obviously, we don't want rioting because of the attack on our security and our culture. But if you're going to believe that this thing is God's gift to the world, or God's judgment to the world, I should say, this is the worst thing in a millennium, how in the world could you make an exception that, for example, in my home city of Baltimore, you are to this day not allowed to have a gathering of more than 10 people. To this day, my son's camp was closed. Because children who have a greater chance of dying in a car accident and certainly, well, certainly a car accident, but even a light, lightning strike than from coronavirus were shut down. But people were able to gather in the hundreds, perhaps the thousands in downtown Baltimore on July 4th and dump a statue of Christopher, Christopher Columbus into the Baltimore Harbor with no police presence around. Well, you'd think, you know, if, if they don't punish them for disorderly conduct, violence, destroying public property, well, at least for spreading the sacred COVID, right? No, 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 no. That's only you and me. You see, to me, one, one of the verses that applies to us most directly today is Kings 1, 21-19. One of my favorite verses, um, it's actually better in the Old Hebrew. It really, it, it, it flows very well. It's almost like an alliteration, the Old Hebrew word. But when King Ahab, the wicked king of Israel in Samaria, he wanted this, um, there was a private citizen that owned a nice vineyard. It was his private property and he badly wanted it. And his evil wife, Jezebel, told him to just kill the guy. And he went and killed the guy and then he took possession. So God told Elijah, the prophet, to go to him and say, have you not murdered a man and seized his land? The old Hebrew is haragta v'gam yurashta. Have you killed and also inherited? That's what our government is doing to us today. They caused the problem, the spread, which to us is not th that big of a deal, and we're going to get into that, but to them it is. Through the riots and through the border, and then they lock us down. <clears throat> they go and have these criminals run loose, kill people, and then they punish us if we don't wear a mask or we gather or if we defend ourselves against this. So once again, we're going to talk about the two issues of our time, talking about the anarchy and what could be done about that and what Republicans aren't doing about it. Talk about the lies about coronavirus and what we could be doing about that. So let's talk to, first go, go through some of the anarchy. So this really happens every weekend. But it's likely worse now with the police completely deterred. But it happens all the time. It's just now that finally some media sources are recognizing it. It's not whites who kill blacks. 
It's not police who kill blacks, unjustifiably. Like everything else, you could find one case in a, in a blue moon. And again, even in Minnesota, there's a lot of questions about what happened there with the toxicology, what, what was actually going on. We'll see in the trial. Could you imagine the number of black children who have been killed as a result of the war on cops? See, what is so bizarre is that Republicans are terrified to fight back against the blood libels matter. Simply because they give themselves a mellifluous sounding name, Black Lives Matter. Oh, I, I, yes, yes, Black Lives Matter. So therefore, Republicans go and they join with the left in promoting this anti-cop, anti-incarceration, anarchist crap agenda. But if they really had guts, it's very easy to throw this back in their face. You, my friends, or my enemies, I shall say, are the ones who are causing black lives to become extinguished. Because most criminals, violent criminals, are black. And therefore, most violent, most victims are black as well. So those people are the ones who suffer. Not white, rich liberals in their neighborhoods. They're not going to see this weekend violence. Every weekend when we want to celebrate, celebrate time with our, or enjoy time off with our family, every holiday weekend we, when we want to enjoy and celebrate July 4th or Memorial Day, you have your nice barbecues in white suburbs. Well, in our inner cities, we have a different type of barbecue. We have different sort of fireworks. And those are bullets going into bodies. And these, by the way, are the cities that have the strictest gun laws. Because what they do is they take guns away from people who don't have a criminal record. And then those who have a criminal record, despite being caught with felony possession, one after another, they get probation instead of time off. And while they're on probation, they go and kill. There are so many stories that I lost track of them. So I'm just going to try to capture a few of them. And I'll have an article out today at conservativereview.com. You could Google my name, look at the chronological order of my articles, and you'll see I'll have an article out trying to chronicle all these cases. Young children, every one of them was black to my knowledge, who were killed. Sequoia Turner, eight-year-old girl in Atlanta. I reported last week that around that Wendy's area where you had the Rayshard Brooks shooting, where the guy was absolutely legitimately shot by police, they now are setting up checkpoints there. They don't allow whites in there, but even among blacks, they're killing each other. Police have stood back. Murders are up 86% over 28 days of the last month compared to the same period time last year. Aggravated assaults are up 22%. Burglaries up 14% in Atlanta. Okay? Eight-year-old Sequoia Turner was shot while driving in the car with her mother in that area. Three other people were killed in that area, 20 injured. Now, you might think these are the same cases. You see, eight-year-old killed. This was an eight-year-old girl in Atlanta. Then there was an eight-year-old boy 
Ruta Giles Jr., who was killed in Birmingham in middle of the day. In middle of the day on Friday at one of Atlanta, at one of Alabama's largest malls while eating at a food court with his parents. Three other innocents were shot, including another child. Jace Young, a six-year-old boy. Again, these are all black kids. Six-year-old boy was watching fireworks Saturday night with his family in San Fran Frico when he was gunned down in a drive-by shooting. Philadelphia, another six-year-old boy was gunned down in a senseless murder outside his home. A seven-year-old Chicago girl was shot and killed on July 4th while playing in her backyard. In total, 70 people were shot 14 killed over the July 4th weekend in Chicago. Also in Chicago, last week, some of you might have seen this. There was a story where there were like two teenagers that were going to a candy store and they were shot dead by this guy. Well, they caught the guy over the weekend. And guess what? This man had a, had a rap sheet. He had a gun felony. But yet, despite his prior record being caught with a gun illegally, he got no jail time. He got 18 months probation, which allowed him to be out on the street to allegedly commit this double murder. On Friday, New York City police arrested a 35-year-old man for allegedly slashing a two-year-old boy in the face. Now, I don't know the race of that boy. That's a different case, but that's not the point. While the boy was sitting in a stroller in Manhattan. On Saturday, Devon McNeil, an 11-year-old, he was black, was visiting his family in South uh, Southeast Washington, D.C. when he was killed in a drive-by shooting. So he got boys, 6, 7, 8, 11. But I could do you one better. In Mansfield, Texas, which is a nice suburb of Fort Worth, a black mother who was pregnant with two unborn kids, twins, was found murdered by her former boyfriend, who was also black, in a carjacking. The suspect had a criminal record. I haven't had a chance to look into that. Black-on-black crime. Not white-on-black crime, black-on-black crime. And then you have black-on-white crime. There's a horrific video. You could Google it if you haven't seen it. Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Okay, so again, like any city... You pretty much have to live in rural areas now. I mean, any city, Cape Girardeau, we're not talking about, you know, New York and Chicago. There's a video of a guy randomly getting out of the out of his car, a black male, grown black male, big guy, for the express purpose of punching a 12-year-old boy who was white, knocking him out, and then he just blithely gets back into his car. Why is it that after that video, you know, we, videos obviously control everything. We, we change our civilization over one video. Why is there no soft bigotry of low expectations that everyone who happens to share the shade of the skin color of this 12-year-old boy now has a right and an expectation to riot against anyone who happens to be of the same race as the suspect here? Well, the answer is when it comes to white you know, black and white, we we treat everyone as individuals, which we always should. Why the hell don't we do this 
when the shoe is on the other foot. And moreover, where are Republicans? Where are they pushing legislation? I have a 10-point plan. You could Google it. 10 ways Trump could reclaim the mantle of law and order. While Democrats are talking about gun control, we should be talking about gun felon control. Stiffen gun felonies. Penalties for gun felons and probation violators. Why is no Republican governor talking about this? This is happening in red states as well as blue states. This is so easy to push back against. If we had an alternative party to the demon cats or the Republicans, demon cats, whatever Michael Savage calls calls them, we would be able to crush the opposition. Nobody wants this. Folks, this is what Black Lives Matters really means. It means deterring all career criminals, irrespective of their race, so government can do its core job of protecting victims of crime, irrespective of their race. That's what it means. What we are seeing today is blood blood libels matter. And this underscores this is not just about statues and monuments. It's about people. It's about crime. Like to the extent we'll even push back, you'll find Trump and a handful of Republicans being, oh, this is not good. We need to protect our monuments. And look, Trump gave a terrific speech at Mount Rushmore, as he always does at these events. But dude, follow the speech up with actions. Protect the monuments, but protect the people too. Do you understand New York City shootings have have gone up 205% in June. Is June 2020 is the bloodiest month since I forget which month in 1996 in New York City. That we have erased the entire generation of gains, the miracle of violent crime plummeting in New York City has been erased. Milwaukee has experienced a 132% increase in homicides this year. 86 homicides this year compared to 37 for the first half of 2019. And then Chicago has always been a killing field. But Chicago we take for granted. Like, yeah, that's what they do there. Did you know that blacks only compose 30, uh, roughly a third of Chicago's population? Because you have a lot of Hispanics there as well. I mean, often blacks are a majority of of large cities, but not in Chicago. It's a third. Yet blacks account for 77% of homicide victims. How hard is it for Republicans and Trump to look the other side in the eyes and say, you SOB frauds, you are the ones who don't care about black lives. You are the ones with your war on cops, your war on incarceration, your war on the justice system. You are the ones who don't care. We do care, so we are going to have a stronger police presence. We are going to have a stronger police deterrent. We are going to increase sentencing for probation violators and gun felons while arming law-abiding citizens, black, white, and everything in between to conceal carry. Imagine if we had a party with that message at this time. And again, all these people, they all have criminal records and they all should have been locked up. 
Let me share some more stories with you. Couple more. Pete Mallory. This was a convicted child pedophile. In 2012, eight years ago, he was convicted in Georgia of child pornography. He was um, sentenced to a thousand years in prison. Okay, a thousand years. The appellate judge in the case referred to him as probably the most prolific collector, quote, probably the most prolific collector of child pornography in the entire world. He was sentenced to a thousand years. He was just put on parole. Now, in case some of you think you're missing something and you don't know how to do math, yeah, 2020 minus 2012 is not a thousand. He didn't serve a thousand years. He served eight and he's out. Luis Torres was convicted of stabbing a mall employee in 2017 in Syracuse, New York. Now, if you stab a mall employee, he was trying to steal, and then maybe the employee tried to stop him. He stabbed him. Now, you would think you'd get, I don't know, I mean, I think someone like that, robbery, stealing, uh, and then stabbing someone, you should get 25 years easily. He was released after just two years. He was put on probation last year. Then he violated his probation. He was reincarcerated for a very short period of time. He was let out. Just nine days later, in June, after being sprung from prison, nine days afterwards, he was arrested for allegedly raping a four-year-old, 14-year-old girl. Next case, Anthony Smith. He was supposed to be serving 25 years for felony murder in Connecticut. Now, he should have gotten the death penalty, but 25 years. Okay. Guess what? Guess what? He was put into a halfway house. This is a big part of the jailbreak bill that Trump signed into law, by the way. The First Step Act, a big part of it is putting them into halfway houses or uh, community supervision, a.k.a. like house arrest. And it's a complete joke. They have no control over them. So it turns out this guy became one of the most prolific drug traffickers while he was in the halfway house. And now he's accused of raping a woman. When he was arrested for that rape, he was found with 58 bags of crack cocaine, which, by the way, is killing everyone. And by the way, now that the lockdown made everyone depressed, drug overdoses are skyrocketing. So we're going to transpose this discussion to the next half of our show, which is back to the virus and the corona lies and corona fascism. But I'll tell you, one of the things you're finding excess deaths now, they're not due to the virus. They are due to... Certainly people not getting medical care because they're too scared of the panic porn to seek care. So they're dying of diabetes, heart, stroke, you name it, cancer. Terrible story I heard, by the way, of um, a relative of my rel- of a relative who died because their cancer treatments were stopped because of the corona panic. No one wants to count that death toll. But it's in the tens of thousands. But anyway, there's a lot of stories now about um, drug overdoses. Franklin County, Ohio, that's uh, Columbus. Drug overdoses were up 55% since the beginning of this. Since March. Think about that. You could not possibly conjure up in a, a, conf, a confluence, an amalgamation of worse policies. Locking us down under a lie, killing people in a nursing home, 
locking us down, but allowing people to riot and people to cross the border, thereby further spreading cases and then using cases but not deaths as a metric. Lock us down further. People die. Because, oh my gosh, um, I don't want to die of COVID. So I'm going to go die of a heart attack, which is 100 times more lethal. I mean, folks, I want to share something with you. This is straight from CDC's website, okay? You could Google CDC Commercial Laboratory Seroprevalence Survey Data. That's antibody tests. They did a bunch of tests in Missouri, Utah, South Florida, Connecticut, Western Washington. And basically, they find in each place, they'll tell you, you could Google it, and you'll see, they'll say each place, the prevalence of the disease was much greater than what we found, right? Because we always knew more people had this and it was less deadly. If you go and you take the amount of people that likely had it, so you let's say they found seroprevalence in 15% of the population, so you divide the city's population by 15% to get the likely number of people that had the disease, and then divide it by the number of deaths in that jurisdiction. A couple of people have done this on Twitter, and if you go throughout all of them, it, it, it gives you what's called an inferred infection fatality rate of about 0.1 which is about the flu. Oh, and by the way, these um, tests were taken in April during the peak. So even during the peak, in most places, the infection fatality rate, we have this confirmed now, was 0.1. And most of them were people that were in nursing homes or certain diseases. So with everyone else, it really was never really even that much of a threat. No more than the flu. And now it's attenuated and it's, it's a fraction of the flu. But this was even at the peak when it was more deadly. This is the greatest lie ever perpetrated on humanity. Had they told us this, we would have never, no one would have ever gone for the lockdown. People see, people have um, very short memories. So now they're like, well, it's still, there's like a point one. They find all sorts of excuses why this is still a problem. But the reality is we were only sucked in. We were told, if you remember, they were dividing dividing the New York City deaths by the known cases. It, it showed what seemed like a 5, 10, up to 10% fatality rate. Okay, that's what spawned the panic. I remember even myself when I was trying to downplay, but in a truthful way, say, no, it's not 8, 10%. There's many more cases. And if you would actually get the denominator, remember, we did all these shows in March and I said it would be much lower. Even I, at the time, initially said, yeah, it's much lower. It's probably around 0.5. You could go back to some of my shows. I quoted uh, one study that estimated probably about 0.5. The funny thing is, now it turns out, I overestimated it. It's about 0.1 in most places. The, the harder-hit areas that have certain factors with nursing homes or uh, Cuomo killing people or killing people on ventilators, it's more like 0.2 to 0.3. And now it's it's a, an entire decimal point over. And if you're younger and healthier, you you are always more likely to be struck by lightning. That's the big lie here. So that's the first thing I wanted to share with you guys. But let's let's talk a little bit about the um, the cause and the nature of this spike. So you, you got to follow me on Twitter at Arm Conservative. I'm part of a group of people, very distinguished mathematicians and scientists that are just brilliant, 
that are putting out really good charts. Hard data. No speculation, not simulations, not these nerdy studies. Hard data of what has happened. See, it's it's much harder to suggest and posit and prove why something is happening or what's causing it. But it's very easy to say what is happening. So... The media wants to give you the impression that states reopening early caused the spike. And that the spike somehow is like on par with what was going on in New York and New Jersey in March, if not even worse. When the reality is what is going on now is the biggest illusion ever. It's cases. Exactly like we said, there are always more cases. 50 times more cases than we know. Likely 50 to 60 million people have gotten the virus by now. And therefore, the fatality rate is so much lower. On Sunday, we had another record low number of deaths nationwide, even as cases soar. That should be good news. That shows it's a joke. So that's first of all. The hospitalizations. CDC came out with data. It's going to be linked to in one of my articles. 25% of all women under 49 who came to a hospital and had COVID were pregnant. What does that tell you? Pregnancy is the most common thing you'll come to the hospital for. I mean, unless something happens, you get into a car accident or you get a certain disease, most younger women, right? We're talking about, you know, 40s or younger. You don't go to the hospital very often. So what's the most common natural thing that every young woman who at least is married is going to go to the hospital for? That's childbirth. So that's a certain very common percentage of hospital capacity is neonatal, you know, and you know, maternity, uh, labor and delivery, right? You want to know where your spike is? During the peak, we weren't testing them. My wife, again, gave birth in Maryland in April. She wasn't tested. Now, they'll test you, and they'll usually test the husband who comes in as well. 25% had the virus. It's a joke! She's coming in to give birth! She's asymptomatic! But once that happens, she's treated like a COVID patient because they get their Medicare reimbursement And they call it a COVID patient. It's such a joke. This is the most illusory spike we've ever seen. And and it's so insidious. You know what I've heard also? COVID treatment is being treated like such sacrilege. Like such a national obsession now. Even when you're asymptomatic. That nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, the extenders who treat someone in the ER for COVID or, or for something else... But they test positive and get pegged as a COVID patient. So it could be a broken bone. Hospitals get the same degree of reimbursement from federal programs, Medicare, Medicaid, VA. As if an ER doctor treated that individual. So do you know a sick thing that's happening now because of government's market distortions and Corona communism? And distortion of our healthcare. 
ERs are now firing doctors. Because if you think about it, I don't know the numbers. I'm just making them up here. Let's say a PA gets paid $100,000 and the doctor you'd pay $250,000. Well, why should I go for the two hundred fifty dollars salary if I can get the same reimbursement from the care provided by the person that only cost me $100,000 as a base salary? So I heard of uh, this ER doctor who had to look for a new job. She's being let go in Ohio in um, in October. That's how disgusting this is. It's so illusory. Oh, why are we different than Europe? Well, there's a few reasons, but as a baseline, it's testing. You look at the charts I put out. Our cases spiked commensurate with the amount of testing. No other country is doing this degree of testing per thousand people that we are. And a, a massive percentage, up to a third of them, are the same people they're double and triple counting. So, for example, once we test everyone, it, it, testing begets testing. So, you would never know 95% of cases are either asymptomatic or mild. You wouldn't know. It's a cold or nothing. So, you wouldn't come in. But now that we're testing anyone who comes into hospital, or even if you don't come into hospital, in order to go to work, in order to do certain things, you need to test. And you need a, a letter saying you have a positive test because this has become a national obsession. So guess what? Now we're discovering all the people who are positive. Now you can't go back until you get a positive test. So you have to test again. Whoops, I'm still positive. Whoops, I'm still positive. Oh, now I'm negative. So you have five positive tests, but it's one person. And they're asymptomatic. It's a joke. This is how overblowing and exaggerating COVID, ironically, is juicing up the numbers. See, if we just treated it, Anyone who is seriously ill would treat them, but otherwise, whatever, we'd barely hear about it, like they are in Europe. Another point I wanted to make that's very important. They're all talking about these states reopening. Here's the problem. The spike, if you want to call it that, is happening in the states that had the longest, most severe lockdown, like California. That's number one. Number two, the reopening, the, 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 the infection to hospitalization period is about 10, 11 days. The infection to death period is about three to four weeks. The timing doesn't match up with those states that reopened because they reopened on March 1st, some in April. And the spike was until June in, 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 in cases of hospitalizations. It doesn't make any sense. What it does line up with, and we're going to see, as I have in my article, are two things they don't want to talk about because they're sacred. The riots and the border. Mexico peaked in most places in late May. You look at the deaths taking place. I have a whole article on this. Go to conservativereview.com in the Rio Grande Valley of Texas, Hidalgo, Cameron, Star Counties. Okay? That is taking place exactly at the three-week period off the peak in Mexico, in Tamaulipas. But I want to get back to Mexico in a minute, but I just want to say some more factors about this reopening business. Another point is, people forget, oh, the red states didn't do lockdown. It's not true. Every major city in a red state is blue, and the governor's allowed 
I, 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 unfortunately, in these states for them to do what they want. So Dallas was locked down just as badly as my state of Maryland. Miami-Dade in Florida was locked down, and they have the worst cases now. The, mo- the most cases now. It's a joke. They have this lying narrative that's demonstrably false. That, oh, it's the reopening states. No, it's not. And the reopening states are still much better. Look at some of the charts. They're like 1 of the of the deaths of New York and New Jersey. Even now, they're barely having more deaths, except for at the border counties. And finally, I want to point to you, there is only one state that really fully reopened and reopened early. And that's Wisconsin, which ironically is a Democrat governor. And the reason is because the state Supreme Court invalidated the entirety of the lockdown and invalidated it statewide. So that's our perfect. You can't tell me, oh, like, oh, Texas didn't have a good lockdown. Well, it's not true because that's just the rural counties. But all the areas that account for the most cases have it. Wisconsin reopened on May 11th. I, I, I asked someone to pull the data, the Google social mobility data, you know, shows how much people drove and tra- used transportation and went to stores. And it spiked that week after the Supreme Court, you know, the state, the Wisconsin Supreme Court decision. Do you know Wisconsin has almost no cases and no deaths since then? So again, you know, they, they cherry pick what they want. There is zero correlation between a bad result, even a superficial one, and reopening. What there is a correlation with, however, are the riots and the border. Now, the riots, the UK Daily Mail has an article out that 26 million people participated in the George Floyd riots slash protests. 26 million people. Okay? If you add it all up, every city, small city, big city, mid-sized city, the greatest gatherings in American history. That's what they say. So we went from, we had to be locked down. You couldn't have 10 people. You couldn't have a funeral. You couldn't have a wedding. You couldn't have a birthday party. You couldn't have... Kids in camp, in school. But we had the largest gatherings in history. And you want to tell me that that is not the culprit when those started May 30th? And the spikes we saw right around that incubation period? 10 days later, that's exactly, you could plot it on a graph. It's perfect timing. Remember, the reopening was March 1st, uh, May 1st. Doesn't make any sense. I mean, these are incontrovertible data points. Timing, geography, numbers. So all these schmuckheads, they're like, I'm a, I'm an doctor. I'm a specialist. You know jack squat. You're treating patients all day. You're treating diabetes patients. You're doing, and God bless you for your work. But you, if you are not doing this full time, this is a research issue. It has nothing to do with a medical background. You could explain a little better how a certain thing works, how to treat, uh, how to treat a COVID patient, maybe. But what has happened? The timing, the trends. These are the people you're finding. Our group on Twitter. 
that is that has followed this from day one, a continuity of observations. So I don't need to be intimidated. Oh, where's your medical degree? That has nothing to do with anything. They know jack squat. Do you think these guys know about the border like I do? I know the geography. I know what happens. I know the laws at the border. I know Border Patrol. I talked to them. So to me, it was obvious what was going on. So again, most of these are superficial accounting, a function of more tests, milder cases. But the one area where we are seeing serious ICUs and ventilation, ventilator uses, and more deaths, not tremendously, and hopefully it won't grow, but a little bit more deaths is it is is that in the border counties? It's remarkable. You cannot miss it. Irrefutable evidence. Hidalgo County. Hidalgo County is the main port of entry. So you have three counties in the busy Rio Grande Valley. Rio Grande Valley is the biggest traffic area of our border. That's southeast Texas, Brownsville, McAllen. It starts off um, at Cameron County, then Hidalgo, then Star County. Then it goes up to Webb and Laredo. Um, so anyway, those counties, um, Hidalgo is the big one. Okay, that's the one with the most traffic. People cross bridges. Let's just first talk about the data, and then we'll analyze it. We'll analyze the timing. We'll analyze everything else. So Hidalgo County, which contains the main international border crossing in the Rio Grande Valley experienced a 641% increase in cases per thousand residents from June 1st to July 2nd. Harris County, by comparison, experienced just 167,000 increase. Harris County is Houston. Okay. 167 increase in, in, in Texas's largest jurisdiction, which is where you would expect to see the hot zone. 641% increase in Hidalgo County at the border, which most Americans never heard of. Everyone's heard of Houston. How many have heard of Hidalgo or McAllen? You know, these uh, Mission, Texas, these type of places. Okay. Next, Hidalgo County recorded just 23 deaths from the beginning of March through June 23rd, right? Most of the duration Almost four months of the epidemic, or three months, 23 deaths. Okay? But just from June 24th through July 4th, they had 34 deaths. Okay? So they had 50% more deaths just in those 10 days than they did in the entire preceding three months. Okay? Hold that thought. Next. Hidalgo County composes just 2.9% of Texas's population, yet accounted for 20% of the state's deaths from June 30th to July 2nd last week. On most days, I'm finding that Hidalgo County has more reported deaths than Dallas County, which is three times larger and five times denser. You look across the country, every state, it's the most densely populated area that has the most deaths. How could like some rural, widespread county like Hidalgo, how does it have so many deaths? Next, overall, 31.4% of total deaths in border counties occurred just in the last 10 days, which is very bizarre. 
because most deaths everywhere else occurred during the peak, April, maybe some early May. But but so many of the deaths occurred in the last 10 days. But if you look at Texas statewide, it's only 16% of the deaths occurred in the last 10 days. Put another way, 20% of all Texas deaths in the last 10 days were reported in border counties compared to just 10% before June 24th. So in other words, it's not just that per capita most of the deaths are coming from the border, but it's that that the timing, it accelerated recently, right around June 24th. We're going to talk about that in a minute. It's remarkable. You look at Star County, okay, that's, that's next to Hidalgo. It had zero deaths, zero, zero the entire time, but three the last 10 days. What gives? It's bizarre. Super duper bizarre. Okay? Hospitalizations. Now, yes, we've already talked about most places, it's superficial. It's universal testing. It's double testing. We're treating everyone as a COVID patient. They're not really sick. And that's true. Texas hospitalizations have gone up since June 1st, 337%. But I, most of that is illusory. In Hidalgo, it has gone out up 1131%, meaning more than 1,000%, 1131%. Okay, that's not just accounting. That's not just hospitalized with COVID. Those are serious cases coming over. And the answer is very simple. You look at every metric in Tamaulipas, which is the Mexican state right under Texas, it peaked right at the end of March. So the cases, you'll see spike in the beginning of June in the RGV, and the deaths will begin occurring in the June 20 period. It's perfect timing. Last week, CNN reported, the CEO of Scripps Health in Southern California, that's the big hospital chain, They'll literally quote, they'll literally come to the border and call an ambulance. People coming over the border. New York Times reported border towns in Arizona are experiencing an increase in infections that health officials believe is tied to people coming in from the Sonora state. Sonora is the Mexican state under Arizona. Folks, this is not just Mexicans coming in. It's Americans too. It's not just an immigration issue. It's a travel issue. Well, Daniel, don't American citizens have the right to travel? Well, don't Americans within America and within the states have a right to travel? Yet we're being told, in my state in Maryland, they had signs on the highway during March and April that if you travel to New Jersey and New York, you have a 14-day mandatory quarantine. You can't leave your home. And now they're doing it in those states from the southern states. Yet to this day, there's no mandatory quarantine, much less a border shutoff, for people... In Hidalgo County, you travel to Matamoros or Reynosa, which are the two hot spots in Mexico. Mexico is terrible. They're putting people on like, they're sedating any, any COVID patient. They're killing them. It's worse than New York there. I mean, as you can imagine. So, But it's not just that the Mexicans are coming here for treatment. It's the Americans who are shopping blissfully for weeks on end. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I have a quote there from a CBP guy. They weren't enforcing that. People think the border was closed. It wasn't. It was close to illegal immigrants. 
but it wasn't closed to legal immigrants and it wasn't closed to to American dual citizens or whoever American traveling to shop. They shop there every day. Lovely. Normal times. I get it. I get the cross culture. I get it. But there's a cross culture from Maryland and Pennsylvania to New York, too. And we stopped that and we had a mandatory quarantine. Why is there no mandatory quarantine? As a result of not locking down the Mexican border, Americans living and traveling within the cities and between the states will now be forced into a more severe quarantine than was ever required of those crossing an international border in the middle of a pandemic. Once again, as we see from the dichotomy between the ban on mass gatherings and the public endorsements of Blood Libels Matters protests, some people and some causes are created more equal than others. Have you murdered and have you inherited? That is our immoral government. Folks, we need to start a citizen sanctuary movement, a Miniman Paul Revere movement. We need to start neighborhood patrols, especially if you're in an area with a good sheriff. Have him work to get, get you deputized. Citizens, take back our streets. And, and let me tell you, folks, that's not just about the anarchy but the tyranny as well, because I think once we start that, then we'll be able to take back our government as well. Big week ahead. I'm going to be traveling traveling a little bit in the middle of the week, so I'm going to be uh, pressed for time, not as much at, at the helm as I usually am, but still we're going to try to put out a lot of good content this week. Go to conservativereview.com, at Conservative. follow me on Twitter. Folks, keep yourself armed, but more importantly... Keep yourself knowledgeable.